You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone! Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live, live from the field as we're getting you ready for a little A's baseball as the athletics are taking batting practice right now as we speak before they start a quick two-game set against the Seattle Mariners tonight, tomorrow day, and then a day off, and then the New York Yankees come to town for four. It's going to be a great show. Scott Emerson, the pitching coach, is about to walk over here in moments. Glenn Kuyper will be here at 415. Josh Harrison, new A at 445. And Alex Jensen, who's stepping in for Ken Korak. I wonder if Ken Korak is off the golf course yet, Cody. I wonder if he feels the pressure yet from the great Alex Jensen. Uh, I don't think Ken feels the pressure uh, (laughs) whatsoever. Well, I wonder if. Do you think Ken feels the pressure on the golf course when you guys are out there? Uh, no, I don't think he feels the pressure either. Well, I mean, I heard Ken's a uh, – is he a scratch golfer like John Smoltz on the golf course? I heard he's pretty good. Ken Korak? Yeah. Ken Korak is legit. Let me say – yeah, let me say, Ken Korak is a legit stick. All right, so Vince Catroni has stolen Scott Emerson for us. Maybe Scott Emerson – is filling in for Bob Melvin on the Bob Melvin show? Uh, yes, he is. Because Bob, Bob, uh, I was alerted to that that he was going to do uh, with Vince. So we'll get Emo in a few minutes, and then we'll talk pitching. We'll talk well everything with Emo. He snuck into the broadcaster's photo with you guys. It was uh, it was actually pretty funny that he was standing right next to you guys. Was that was that put out on Twitter? Yes, uh, for National Radio Day, it was you, Ken, Vince, a Manolo. From Spanish broadcasting. Was there there. a big response on Twitter about that photo? Uh, I want to say there was a good response because Emo kind of photobombed you guys because he was standing in there. I was (laughs) in the background and making a cameo, but I had my back turned. But Emo was just standing right next to you guys. And I said, well, if Emo has a future in broadcasting when he doesn't want to be a pitching coach anymore because the guy can talk better than anyone. So uh, future broadcaster Scott Emerson will be coming up in moments. All right. Before we get to Scott Emerson, I just want to go over some news and notes of stuff going around Major League Baseball. And... They've updated the article on Mike Trout. Truly one of the greatest players we've ever seen, a three-time American League MVP. If he quit right now, he's a baseball Hall of Famer with a war over 70. It is hard to believe because of this calf injury, the great Mike Trout has not played since May 17th. Think about that. May 17th. He was hitting 333. Eight home runs in 36 games, on pace for another just monster year. We haven't seen Mike Trout because of a calf 
since May 17th. That was a long time ago. We're almost out of August. Yeah, that's almost three months. I mean, we saw Trout on TV. I mean, I didn't see a lot of the uh, minor, league, the little league game between the Indians and the the Angels last night on ESPN. Uh, I'm sure Otani was a big hit because of uh, well, he's he pitches and and hits. But uh, Mike Trout apparently was interviewed twice by ESPN, which is pretty rare because you know Trout's not always being interviewed by you know everyone. But uh, apparently he was really accessible last night. You know, obviously he's the best player in the sport right now. Although some people say that uh, my, uh, Mike Trout doesn't have half the ability that Otani has. I've heard some people say that. Which stop. Uh, but Trout hasn't played since May. That's remarkable. But we'll see if we see him back because with Miguel Cabrera joining the 500 home run club, Trout might be the next guy that could hit that 500 home run club that we have. He's 310 career home runs, and he's only 30 years old. And then news out of San Diego, which this is something I deal with with EA's uh, clubhouse show, taking all the phone calls where sometimes people are not happy with the coaching staff and are ready to replace people uh, on the coaching staff. But you know, 36 games to go. The San Diego Padres have fired their pitching coach, longtime coach, former manager Larry Rothschild, has been fired. Ben Fritz will take over. Now, this article says nearly 20 years removed from being among the headliners in Oakland A's famed Moneyball draft. I do not remember Ben Fritz whatsoever from Moneyball, the movie or the book. He may have been in the draft. Was he ever mentioned in Michael Lewis's book? I know Brad Pitt never mentioned him in the movie Moneyball, but he was a part of that draft. First rounder. I just looked it up. I remember. I think he was in the book, if I'm not mistaken, because he was a first round pick out of Fresno. So, so he's going to take over a rotation that's got a 5.63 ERA this month as the Friars continue to sink. By the way, we're going to have to do something because if Glenn comes down here at 415, there's no way we're going to be done. Yeah, I'll, I'll text him. But we're going to have to start pushing uh, everybody back. By the way, do, do you know what high school Ben Fritz went to? I don't even – I couldn't even tell. Other than Fresno High, I don't know any no, no, Fresno no. He's high went, schools. High school in San Jose. He went to high school – oh, he's a Fresno State guy. Yeah. Uh, is it a private or non-private? Uh, non-private. Non-private. Oak Grove. Oak Grove, baby. (laughs) (laughs) What a guess. The factory for football, Oak Grove. Yeah, I know me some San Jose. That was just a random guess. I really, even though I've lived in San Jose since, what, 1991, I do not. I know my kids go to Willow Glen. That's that's all that matters. So the Padres have made a move. How many other teams that are kind of teetering? Then this one is another bizarre story as we still deal with COVID-19 in the world of sports obviously more important what we're dealing with around the country and we're trying to get as many people vaccinated there's still people that don't want to get vaccinated and we're dealing with the delta variant the tampa bay rays place nelson cruz on the covid 19 injured list but he hasn't tested positive for anything according to this article I found that odd. Kevin Cash, friend of the program, you call him Cashy, manager said, quote, woke up not feeling good, opted to keep away, certainly will test and all that. So if I wake up and I don't feel well, I'm immediately going into the COVID-19 protocol list, even though I haven't tested positive. Maybe he's not vaccinated. I'm not sure. 
But just because I wake up and I don't feel well doesn't mean it's automatically COVID. I found that very odd. By the way, he's been terrible. He's hitting 198. He does have seven home runs in 24 games, but hitting just 198 since he's been acquired from the Minnesota Twins, as I thought he would be the perfect fit. But Nelson Cruz, by the way, he could be, he's... 67 home runs away. He's he's at 443. Yeah, 67 away from 500. Well, I don't see him slowing down. He's probably the next. If I had to put money on it. He's at 41. He's 41 years old. I mean, he's probably going to play till he's 43, 44. So, I would, uh, I probably, Nelson Cruz would be my next bet on to hit 500 home runs. Well, hello, Scott Emerson. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? I, I am doing well. So uh, are, are you are you doing the manager show today? Uh, I I I filled in. I guess I filled in. Yes. <laughs> well, I I got to think for you the last two days. I mean, it's historic. We've never seen this before in the history of baseball. Eighth inning on, pinch it, home runs to win games. I mean, for you as a pitching coach, where you live and die with every single pitch, how tough is it for you in the dugout to watch something like that? Well, you, you know, it, it's it's a uh, you know two pitches. Uh, you know, it's the walk that uh, gets the guy on base before that is the one that really hurts the most. I mean, you got to go out there. You got to make the guy swing. Uh, the tying run definitely has to swing the bat. So, you know, I mean, it's it's part of baseball, I guess. It's baseball. You know, you go out there and you try to give your best each and every day. And just two pitches can tell you how costly they were. You know, uh, we kind of didn't get one where we wanted it. And uh, didn't get up and in enough, and the other one uh, just uh, cut across the plate, and both hitters beat our guys to the spot and and hit the homers. Well, I mean, it's it's what they've done all season long. I mean, they're coming up late in the innings, uh, they're coming hunting, and they've done, the Giants have had kind of a magical year, and they've done that. But when something like that happens, take us through the process of whether it's Sunday or whether it's today. Do you guys go over video? How do you relive it, and how do you want to correct it? Well, I, I don't think you really want to relive it. Uh, you know, like I talked to AJ yesterday, and I learned a, I learned a lesson in the seventh grade when I missed a jump shot uh, to win the game, and uh, I was crying. And my dad told me never to cry again, or he's going to, you know, whip my tail. And pretty much the moral to the story with with AJ is I'd rather have a guy, you know, take the last shot and brick it than the guy who's unable or not willing to take the shot. And that's kind of how I described it to AJ. Hey, you're going to be in these moments. Uh, hopefully for you know a long time and sometimes you're going to win these battles and sometimes you're going to lose these battles but it's the next day that you got to come to the ballpark ready to go back into that battle and I, I think I uh, hopefully drove that home to AJ that hey good relievers forget about yesterday and uh, you know we've moved on from yesterday we got a good Seattle team coming in today you know they want to you know get after us you know they're three games behind in the wild card so you know, we got another series to go, and it's just one game at a time right now. Why do I get the sense that when you were a kid growing up, you were the biggest kid in school, and you were the guy they fed the basketball to? Well, that that can be true. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, even, even though I was the biggest kid uh, uh, on my high school basketball team, I, I played the point guard. I played shooting guard. So, uh those are positions that I grew you were up magic, playing. You were Magic Johnson. Hey, man, I, I was emo. I was emo. Uh, no, I mean, basketball is a great love of mine, uh, but baseball I knew would probably take me to a higher level. Were you a distributor or a volume shooter? 
Well, I can say this. Uh, when I left my high school, I was its all-time leading scorer. But since then, uh, the great Mike Bibby has taken oh, Really? Over. The great Mike Bibby took over uh, most of my records. I think he sprained an ankle in Tucson, if I can remember correctly. So uh, I think the only uh, thing I got left uh, over there in basketball is minutes played. But my high school basketball team, Shadow Mountain High School out of Phoenix, Arizona, has been uh, the last couple of years the only public school to play in the Geico National Championships. And Mike Bibby was the uh, the head basketball coach for several years, and he took them on to win seven straight – or about I think they won maybe five or six or seven uh, state titles under his command, and plus they won one or two while he was playing. So uh, my high school basketball program uh, is, a, is a good program. The great Mike Bibby, last guy to lead Arizona Wildcats to a national championship under Lute Olson. That's right. If you remember way back when. But, you, you know, when you talk about – I, I think about relievers to me are kind of like cornerbacks in the NFL. You're going to get burnt. It's just going to happen in the NFL. The way the rules are, everything's set up for offense, kind of like how baseball is now. You're going to get burnt. I, I like how your theory is, is like, you got to forget about it. It's going to happen. You got to be ready to go the next day. Yeah, I mean, you, you learn from your mistakes. You know, I know uh, uh, our great farm director of the past, Keith Lippman, who's going to be a Hall of Famer, yeah. I saw. Uh, you know, he made us read books all the off-seasons and give presentations to all the coaches. And we, we read a book by uh, Dr. John Maxwell, Sometimes You Win, Sometimes You Learn. So, you know, you get out there on that uh, diamond and you make some mistakes, you better start learning from those mistakes. And, and the guys that uh, learn from those mistakes are the guys, in my opinion, that stay around and that are sustainable for years and years and years. And the guys who keep making the same mistakes over and over again are the ones that you find them in AAA wondering why they're not back in the big leagues. You've educated us multiple times about pitching is about disrupting timing and the hitter's timing. And we recently had Sergio Romo on. And the thing that I love about Romo's one pitch, and we've been watching him flip that breaking ball up there for many, many years. He's got three World Series rings. He's very accomplished. But I think what people don't realize is when you have that kind of control over that pitch with different speeds, different type breaks, it can be the big slurve, it can be tighter. It's one pitch. But really, it's multiple pitches when you look at all the different ways he can throw it. If you could explain that for us. Well, you know, like uh, you have, you know, your fastball. The fastball can go to arm side. It can go arm side up or down. It can go to glove side up or down. And same thing now with breaking balls. You got what we call back door, and that's leaving it to your arm side with a left-handed hitter and a right-handed pitcher. Or you got what we call the front door, which is throwing it inside right-handed pitcher to a right-handed hitter. So now you're seeing a lot of guys being able to spin the ball to both sides of the plate. We didn't see this maybe uh, – 10 years ago. I mean, we saw some of the greats being able to do it, and those are Hall of Fame pitchers, but now you're seeing more and more pitchers being able to do that. But the ability to throw the hard breaking ball followed by a soft one is the same thing that I always talk about if hitting is time and pitching is disruption of timing. He's just disrupting the timing with one pitch, and that's king, that goes for your four-seam fastball and your two-seam fastball. Generally, your two-seam fastball is two to three miles an hour off your four-seam. You're still throwing a fastball, but you're changing speeds in that fastball. And then when you get a fastball close to somebody's eyes and you get that fastball uh, down and away, you get that perceived fastball look. You know, if you look at an airplane up in the sky and you see that airplane fly by, you're, you're thinking it's not moving very fast. But if you're sitting on the runway, 
and uh, that thing is closer to your eyes, that thing's moving really fast right by you. And that's the ability, that's why location is important to being able to change speeds as well. And that's what Sergio does real well. And I just wonder, in, a, in the land of velocity that we now live in, that someone like Yasmero Petit and someone like Sergio Romo can be so successful because these guys never see 86 to 88. They're seeing 98 to 100 miles an hour coming out of the bullpen, night after night after night. Then all of a sudden, I'm thinking about a hitter, you're like, oh my, you know, you haven't seen that speed since like high school, maybe in college. How much has their lack of velocity really helped them? Well, you know, too, if you look at, uh, you know, all these kids and everybody's training for uh, velocity, yet they're throwing a lot more sliders today than they ever have thrown before. So those sliders, those sliders that Romo and the cutter that Petit are throwing, almost equal to uh, the predominant sliders that a lot of guys around the league are throwing. So, you know, I think the ability for them to locate their pitches is the thing that's most important. I mean, just think if, uh, in my opinion, if you really look at a good pitcher, take his velocity away. See what he can do without velocity. If, if uh, Ismiro Petit and Sergio Romo had velocity, how dominating would they really be? You know, if they had, if they threw 99 to 100 with those pitches, they'd be off the charts so good because they got that ability to command the baseball and spin the baseball and put it where they want to. Some of these guys that come out and they throw 95 to 100, and in two years they can't throw 95 to 100 anymore, but they don't know where it's going. Those guys are out of the game. But you know, with a guy like Romo and Petit being able to, to throw their baseball where they want it, they're sustainable. They're gonna they're gonna find themselves on teams because at the end of the day, that's gonna be what's really valuable. If a starting pitcher is cruising and he looks great and he looks strong, and let's just say he's at a hundred, hundred and five, what should be the max he should be able to go? Because I just get the sense, you know, it doesn't matter what baseball games you're watching. It's almost like the dugout, there's alarms going off when it hits 100 pitches. I mean, is it 120, 130? What, what should he be allowed to go? What would you like? Well, I, I still like, you know, 15 pitches in inning times nines, 135. If you're going out there and you're cruising and you get four days off all the time, and now with more off days you get five days off, I don't really see any, any worry that a guy can't go 135. What's happening is what you said, is we're, we're limiting pitchers in high school now, in college. What was going on, in my opinion, where guys were getting hurt is they were throwing on two and three days rest. They weren't rested. you got to get these guys their four days, get them rested. Every now and then you get a fifth day because of so many off days. And you know, But you got to be able to go 135 and be in the ninth you can't be 135 in the fifth and sixth inning. You know what I mean? I mean, you can't just go out there and just throw bullets all over the place. you gotta, you got to be kind of economical. You know, we've always said to pitchers since I've been around this, uh, you know, I've been around this professional game since 1992. So that was my first year. I haven't missed one. That uh, three pitches or less, we'll take four pitches or less, but we'll settle for five pitches or less. That's three hitters. That's 15 pitches per inning. But right now in the big leagues, we got about 17.5 pitches per inning. But let's get back to the 15 pitches per inning. Then these guys could go longer in the games. Well, then, uh, you know, that's almost like Nuke Lelouch hit the bowl when you're talking about 135 and 5. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, what was it, New Carolina League record? 18 walks, 18 strikeouts or whatever? You don't want to do that. Uh, but my point is, you know, 
there are no studies out there that say what the pitch count is. I mean, if, if, if we were throwing 135 25 years ago with less injuries, and then all of a sudden now we're throwing uh, 100 with more injuries, you know, there's more injuries maybe because the, the pitchers, quite frankly, have more to do. They're weight training, their arm care, they're throwing a lot more. I mean, they, if you do more, in my opinion, you could be sustainable or you could be subject to being hurt by doing so much. There's less long distance running in the game. Uh, we're training for just a, a, a three-second burst. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of theories out there. What I like to do is go back and go, this is what we used to do. This is what we do now. Whether it's good or bad, there's some different changes that have gone on in pitching. Well, I just love how you got all these scientists around you now down there uh, in the bullpen with all that technology. Spin it this way, do it this. I mean, technology in the game's not going away, and it's helping these guys. Yeah, I think, you know, you know the science of it, you know, what's funny about, you know, you can see science. I like data. The data is important to me. The science part of it where, oh, you got to change your delivery one, and then two years later somebody else is going to tell me you got to do something different. I don't like that. You know, uh, why didn't you get it right two years ago? So what I like is the basic guidelines of what I like for a pitcher to do. Get his foot down, be on time, have the arm up. There's certain guidelines that I like. If these guys can hit them guidelines, then I'm good with them. You are the best, my friend. Be well. And I can't wait to listen to you on the manager's show today. Well, thanks for having me. Scott Emerson, Emo, the great pitching coach for your Oakland Athletics. We're, we're going one by one here because Josh Harrison is going to join us uh, as he's, he's getting the uh, headphones. Well, you know what? It's great to finally meet you. This is our uh, live talk show called A's Cast Live that we do Monday through Friday from the field before every single game. And we've wanted to have you on the program since you got traded. So talking to the fans, welcome to Oakland. Thank you. Better late than never. Yeah, I'm we've here. been waiting to have you, right? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know the one thing that you know we've watched, and, and Cody, my producer, is a big Pirates fan, been watching you for many, many years. I just love the way you enjoy playing the game. Oh no, I appreciate it. You got to. Um, I don't take it for granted. Uh, I've been doing doing it for a while, but at the same time, uh, you know, I'm not going to be playing it forever. So, if you do something you love, you got to show that you enjoy it. And every day I'm out there, I, I try to show it. Yeah, you stay loose. The game's hard enough, right? It's a game of failure. Staying loose helps you be more successful. Oh yeah, for sure. As you mentioned, a game of failure. Um, you you got to find a way to get through it. Um, deal with failure a lot more than you do with success. So. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm blessed to be where I am. And, you know, there, there are far worse things than going 0 for 4. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to go 0 for 4. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's part of the game. The greatest, the greatest in the game went, you know, 0 for. And, you know, the sooner you realize that, you know, the easier it is to say, okay, I mean, I'm not settling for 0 for 4, but, you know, it happens to the best. So why can't it happen to me? Enjoy it. Have fun. And uh, that's how you try to keep pressure off yourself. I mean, it's already enough pressure in this game. Um, you know, the, the looser, the more free that you are, the, the better chance you have of going out there to help your team every night. You know, for a long time around these parts, we heard about working the count, take as many pitches. You know, the one thing that I think has been refreshing watching you and Starling come over, when you guys go to the plate, you guys go to the plate to do damage. You're going up there hacking. You're ready to go. Talk about your approach at home plate. Um, as, as part of... You know, maturity, growing up and, you know, playing this game as long as we have. We, we know when certain spots to go up there and be aggressive and certain spots when not to. But uh, a lot of it is internal, knowing yourself. Um, I'm a guy coming up. When I first came up, they wanted me to be more patient. And knowing myself, I was like, I can be patient, but I've always been a guy that's been ready to hit. 
Um, so I'm going to be ready to hit. That's how I become patient because I'm not antsy. If I'm taking pitches where it's like, oh, you want me to take, I'm not taking as I'm ready to hit. So when I am ready to hit, I'm antsy. So always being ready to hit, even if I know I'm taking, just put me in a position to say, I want them to think that I'm ready to hit every pitch because, I mean, at the end of the day, you, you don't want to give anything away to these pitchers just like they don't want to give anything away to us. And uh, sometimes that first pitch is your best pitch. And there are times where that first pitch might not be, but more than anything, if you're ready to hit, especially certain situations, um, you know, that's what guys live for. And, and part of it is knowing myself. And if I'm ready to hit, you leave me something out over the plate, I'm, I'm looking to get on base and, you know, do something to be on base to be driven in by the guys behind me. Yeah, well, those pitchers a couple times were getting you. <laughs> it was like a few games. It's like, no. no that, that, that's, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't like to speak on it, but you guys are just getting a little glimpse of what, what I've – what I've gotten the past three or four years. Um, but that's also part of, you know, I got to psych myself out going to box. I mean, I, I get pitched tough. Um, I've been hit fair share of times. I do not like being hit. But, uh, you know, that, that's, that's part of the, the mental grind of going up there, not, a let, not letting it affect, you know, the next A-B or, or whatever the case may be. Easier said than done. Um, you know, Cleveland got hit in the thumb, so some of it's physical to where, you know, it affects me. Um, the swing, uh, you know, gripping the bat, but, you know, thank God, you know, x-rays came back negative that day. And like I said, I've been hit plenty of times. Not that I'm looking forward to getting hit. I try to get out the way. But, uh, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's kind of how I get pitched. Um, and not that I'm expecting it, but it, it, it happens. And it's not fun, but got to move on. So you said, I can't remember after which game, but you made a comment that immediately, so I play in the post game, and you made this comment, and I went, oh, that's dead on. And the comment was talking about um, it was about you getting pitched inside and guys throwing really hard. And you talked about saying, hey, listen, we're used to it now. Everybody's throwing hard. And it's just kind of the way the game has evolved to where yesteryear you're going to face a couple guys that throw 98, 99. Now it seems like every dude coming out of the bullpen's throwing that hard. No, that's the truth. Um, and like you said, everybody's throwing 96 and above. I've had two broken hands on 96 miles an hour, so uh, I, I remember it was the White Sox. It was the White Sox okay, yeah. when I made that comment. Because um, that was my first game back. I got hit, and then I had two pitches that kind of buzzed me. And uh, you, you, you got to psych yourself out. You know, it's coming in hard, but uh, the minute that you go in there scared, you, you're not prepared to do, you know, damage. Um, you're not prepared to hit. So being hit, being thrown in, I, I got to find a way to put it in the back of my mind and, and, and stick my spikes in the dirt and be ready to, to hit a good one that they throw me. You know, one of the things that I love about your game is versatility. You know, the fact that you can bring a lot of gloves to the ballpark. I can put you in left. I can put you at second. I can put you at third. We're now putting you at short. I mean, that kind of versatility is what helps win championships, and you know what that's all about. Just talk about how you like being that type of player that no matter what the day is, you can play anywhere on the diamond. Uh, that's, that's how I got my first crack at the big leagues. Um, 2011, I was called up, and uh, – 11 and 12, I think I played left, right, third, short, second. Uh, even pitched a third of an inning. That was when we was getting blown out. Um, How'd you do? Oh, zero ERA. My bad. My <laughs> Life, bad. Lifetime, lifetime zero. Lifetime. <laughs> Hopefully I don't have to get back out there so I can stay there. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, that, that's how I got my first crack. But uh, my freshman year of college was, you know, I came in as a shortstop growing up. Freshman year of college, I played left, right, third, short, and second. So it was something that was already in my background. And when I got to pro ball, didn't really do it till I got back to the big leagues. And uh, 
I mean, I've had enough reps at all of them. I feel like I, I can play them just as well. It's, it's not easy not to toot my own horn, but uh, it's not an easy job to be able to play all those positions. But you see, you know, teams value it. A lot of teams now have a guy that, that they can plug in at different places because, I mean, 162 games is a grind. Guys, you know, need days here and there. There are things that you, especially in today's climate with COVID and everything, there are unforeseen events that, you know, this guy's on a COVID protocol list. We need a guy to go play left or, or third in the pinch. And, you know, that versatility is how I got my crack. And, you know, if ever asked upon, you know, it's something that they know I can do and I'm willing to. What do you think is your best position? I think my best position is second, but uh, I, I got some close seconds, I, w I would think. But uh, second base for sure. Do you like to know before you get to the ballpark or it doesn't matter where you're going to play that day? Uh, I mean, I think anybody would like to know the day before just for preparation, but I've done it enough to where I've started a game and had to change positions in the first inning due to injury. So it's it's not anything that's going to take away from my preparation because I can warm up at one at one position and then the game starts and something happens and I've had to go somewhere else. I got enough reps at all these spots that, you know, you can pretty much plug me in right before I'll be fine. So Chip Hale is a good friend of ours. Obviously he was a coach here and a coach with you in, in Washington. And when you guys got traded over, we had him on the program. Yeah. He, he was out recruiting, you know, University yeah, yeah, of Arizona, Arizona. coach now. And to talk about you and Jan and the special times you guys had and how much he loves you and he loves Jan Gomes. He was talking about, you know, what, what you guys bring from just not – I mean, obviously you guys are really good players, but what you bring to the clubhouse. And I asked him just how tough was it breaking up that Nationals thing of what you guys had that was so special and magical. So when you, when you did get traded, how tough was that? Um, I think when me and Jan got traded, it was it was tough, but it wasn't because I think we were the last two to be traded. So we had already seen, you know, I think six guys be traded. So, you know, tough in the aspect of, you know, what's about to happen, you know, where are we going, are we going somewhere? Uh, you know, because when you set out for spring training and you start out for the regular season, you know, every team has one goal in mind. And um, while things didn't work out there, you know, we were still committed and – you know, the last day of the deadline when, you know, a lot of us started getting traded, it was, all right, be prepared to go somewhere just not knowing where to go. And, uh, you know, it, it's tough. Um, you know, baseball is going to be baseball. You know, you you got to perform wherever you go. That's playing the field, hitting, whatever the case may be. The, the biggest adjustment was family. Um, you know, leaving my wife and kids back home. Uh, cross country, three-hour time difference. School started, trying to get my time in to FaceTime my wife and kids while they're going to school and this or that. Um, that's been the toughest part, um, you know, especially being on the East Coast, always having my family with me. So I would say that's the toughest part because, as I mentioned, baseball is baseball. You got to do what you got to do. Um, this team is a fun team. They, they've welcomed us with open arms. Um, biggest adjustment has been on the family side. But, uh, you know, it's always for a good cause. Anytime you got a chance to make the playoffs, uh, you know, you don't take it lightly. It's been six years for me, so I'm not taking it lightly. How weird was it to see Max Scherzer and Trey Turner and Dodger Blue? About as weird as seeing us in green and yellow <laughs> yeah. and, and everything. Uh, you know, everything happens fast. Yeah. Um, but uh, that, that's, that's also the part that a lot of us understand, given the time of our careers we are. We, we understand the business side. We understand, you know, the situation that the Nats were in. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's part of it. You play this game long enough. You're for, we've been blessed and fortunate enough to see, you know, a lot of different scenarios. But, uh you know, nonetheless, you know, excited to be here and, you know, keep pushing towards, you know, this playoff run. 
But I have to think, you know, Oakland's a different cat than everywhere else, right? I got to think this really fits your personality, this clubhouse, the environment here in Oakland. Talk about how this is really a good fit for you. Um, to be honest, anywhere I go is going to be a good fit because I'm going to be me. But uh, these guys welcome me with open arms, my energy. Uh, you know, I have fun. So it wasn't like I came to a clubhouse or, or a locker room that was very stale and dry. Like these guys have fun. They play with energy. They want to win. And uh, so for me, it was like, oh, I'm, I'm blending right in with these guys, having fun, energy. And, and the Bay Area, the crowd, um, you know, you, you can feel the energy in the stadium. It's, it's part of what we do when we're out here feeling that. And they, 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 they've welcomed me with open arms, laughed at some of the stuff I've done on the field, but that's just me being me, having fun, enjoying it. Have you shot a free throw yet? Oh, yeah. Did you make it? Of course. There you go. Because a lot of guys don't. Oh, I mean, I didn't make the first one. I ain't going to okay. sit here. I'm going to be honest. First one, in and out. Second one. Did you get booed? I mean, they didn't boo me. Or, I don't know, I'm so used to drowning out booze, maybe they did. <laughs> <laughs> but the second one, nothing but nylon, you know. Had to keep the Allen Iverson sleeve on. That's what did it. Oh, I love you it. Know? Hey, we've been looking forward to this for a long time. We've been asking, we got to get him on, we got to get him on. Because uh, what you guys have brought is exactly what the doctor needed. Brought aggressiveness, championship pedigree, and guys that know how to win. As I said, we brought in ballers. You guys are ballers. This is exactly what this organization needed. And now this tough stretch, you got the Mariners and the Yankees. This is no day at the beach. I don't think any day is a day at the beach. This is crunch time. Uh, regardless who's on the other side, we take care of what we have to. We'll be where we want to be. Hey, thank you for coming on. It's nice to meet you. you. Good thank luck you. the rest of the series. Thank you. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend for my favorite golf course in the Bay Area, Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Tucked in the beautiful hills of San Jose, Cinnabar Hills offers the finest 27 holes of championship golf in Silicon Valley. Come see the amazing new renovated clubhouse and restaurant, plus patio dining with the most breathtaking views. Cinnabar Hills is far more than a golf course. One of the premier places in the Bay Area to host weddings and any type of events. There's no golf experience like Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Go to CinnabarHills.com. That's CinnabarHills.com. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. He's a cool dude, isn't he? I mean, I watched him for years as a pirate. One of the great, well, I wouldn't say one of the greatest ever, but he was one of the best guys during that run where they were good. Him, McCutcheon, Starling Marte. Gregory Polanco, who was just DFA'd, I was like, oh, my God, are we going to bring in – is Polanco going to be here too? Are we going to have the entire Pittsburgh Pirates 2015 team playing in Oakland? But, yeah, Josh Harrison, great personality. Uh, he fits his ball club perfectly, just everything about him, the way he plays, the versatility. I mean, he sounds like an Oakland A already, if you quote money, if you want to quote oh, Moneyball. Are you really going Moneyball right there? By the way, I'm seeing something. I didn't – I just I, – I, I know I got sent this earlier. But are you noticing Matt Chapman is not suited up whatsoever? What do you mean? I saw the lineup already. He was, he was in there. He is? It's, I saw the, they had the lineup up on the board, and he was, he was hitting. Or he was in the lineup. I'm going to look at the lineup real quick, because right now he's in shorts and a sweatshirt. So I'm looking at it. Matt Chapman hitting six at third, but Matt Chapman is in shorts and a hoodie. So, uh, don't know. And they've come out and they've 
They've talked about it, so we'll see if uh, Matt Chapman's going to be in the lineup today. See, that's the stuff we can bring you when we're here on the field. Matt Chapman came out, had a conversation with Bob Melvin. He's obviously not taking batting practice. Now he could easily go up into the cage and hit, but right now he's in shorts and a hoodie. So um, let's wait and see. I might just be reading into something that I'm wrong, but, I mean, obviously when everybody else is out here taking batting practice, you're not taking batting practice. And what time is it? 440. Yeah, it just turned to 440 up. Now we'll see. We'll see. He's in the lineup right now, but we'll see. I mean, obviously, he came down from the clubhouse, had a conversation with Bob, and went back up into the clubhouse. Normally, Matt Chapman is really one of the hardest workers, and he learned it from Marcus Simeon, right? I mean, Marcus Simeon and Matt Chapman, you want to talk about just grinders when it comes to taking ground balls. We've talked about the epic match that Bob Melvin has with – Matt Chapman on a daily basis where it's the same battle that Bob Melvin used to have with Matt Williams in Arizona back in the day where they challenge each other. So I'm used to seeing that every day, and uh, that didn't happen today. So we'll see what is going to happen with the lineup. Maybe nothing changes whatsoever. But Josh Harrison, you think of what he has brought. How about Starling Marte? I mean, you can't say enough, right? Starling Marte has been just absolutely dominant. He's, he's no Glenn Kuyper, but Starling Marte has been pretty darn good. It's like every single night or every single day I'm watching NBC Sports California and I'm hearing Glenn say, well, perfect on stolen bases again, 17 for 17. I, I didn't know we'd get Ricky Henderson again, Glenn. He's been awesome, hasn't he? I mean, Super fun to watch. I was just talking to the manager about him, and he was like, man, this guy's – I like – you know what I like when he gets on? He doesn't wait around, doesn't mess around. I'm gone. <laughs> and I think the A's are kind of giving him the green light. You want to go, go. I, I, I think only guys who played baseball would understand this. But the way he's been playing, right, hitting 348, 14 home runs, eight doubles, an 897 OPS, a 152 OPS plus, 14 runs, 17 for 17. It's like he's playing American Legion. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> the way he's playing, it's like, it's like you know, that, that the high school kid who's like a, a monster athlete, right? super fast and just can do whatever he wants in the field. And you're like, wow, I mean, this kid's like eight times better than I am. That's the way Starlight Marte's playing. I mean, he wrecked havoc this weekend. The problem with this weekend was every time he stole a base and got in scoring position, we couldn't get a big hit, Ugh. right? So, you know, the stolen base thing is twofold. You get the stolen base, but then somebody needs to get a big hit. Yeah, Although he did, he did score on the, when he went to third and – and the ball rolled. That's true. He, did he scored his own He run. scored on his own. Exactly. Let me give you another analogy. It's like in football season, he rushed for like three TDs and had a couple picks against you. Then during basketball, yes. he averaged like 25 yes. against yes. you. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and then he goes out in baseball, and you can't get him out. And, and at the same time, baseball season, he's leaving to run track. <laughs> right? right? He's the champion in hurdles. Hey, uh, when Starling's track beat, because first pitch is at 105. He'll be here. Don't worry about it. Yeah, hitting with it's runners. Great. Last eight, so they've lost six of eight, and hitting with runners in scoring position, a buck sixty-one. Yeah, they just cannot. 
find that big hit. And really, it's been it's been an issue a good portion of the year. Um, there's been times where the hits have come, but not not really consistently. And and then when you lose tight games, then it it shows up even more. You know, it, it's more obvious to you. And then when you lose tight games like this weekend, then it's like ah, you know. So it's been an issue most of the year, and, and lately, big time. So um, you know that's going to need to that's going to need to change. But listen, that you know, I talked to fans about this. We're at the point now in the season where you have to ask yourself, is it going to change, or is this just the way it is? I mean, there's only five and a half weeks left in the baseball season. So is something drastic going to change? Yeah, it could, but maybe it won't. And then you just got to you gotta just pitch and catch the ball and hope you score enough runs. May not be blowing people out a lot. That's all right. And I know A's fans are going to hate me for this, but just, you know, watching the series over the weekend and watching late inning at-bats where I'm watching Matt Olson squib it down the first baseline or squib it to third base or – Jed hitting it back to the pitcher or Seth Brown taking three straight called strikes. But yet I'm watching the Giants come up late, and they're they're going up there to do damage. Late in the innings offensively, they look like two different teams, especially the way the Giants utilize their pinch hitters. Yeah, yeah, and they have a they do have a, a plan when they go up there, and it's pretty obvious. And you know, there's there's something there's something to what they have done this year it's not it's not a fluke they got three hitting coaches and they got a group of people behind those hitting coaches that are doing a lot of analytical work and I think it's probably a larger group than most teams have and from what I'm hearing it's a large group and they funnel loads of information into those three coaches each coach has his group of hitters and they get after it and I think there's something to it, and obviously it's working. Well, as we know in baseball, or really in every professional sport, it's a copycat league, right? The Rockets were the first ones to start bombing threes. The Warriors perfected it. Mm -hmm. Now everybody does it. Yeah. So I would not be shocked if people look at what the Giants are doing. They go, bigger coaching staff? I mean, it's not that much more money that you're adding. I yeah. mean, and the Giants got the money. And I can, it, see, I can it, see other teams going, why not? And if it works, then it's whatever you're paying is worth it, right? I mean, if you're paying a staff, you know, I don't know how many. I'm, You know, I don't know. But whatever you're paying them, it's worth it if it helps your team win. Um, and it certainly has with them. You know, and I was thinking of this weekend, two crushing losses, right? We all know that. But I thought, you know what? The A's did this to the Giants last year. Crushed them last year. Remember over there? Yeah. Giants had a five-run lead going to the ninth in the first game of that series. Last year, A's came back and win. The very next day, the A's are down three in the ninth <laughs> and come back and win. Yeah. And the Giants missed the postseason by one game. Just came full circle. Gut punches over there last year. Gut punches here for the A's this year. Welcome to the rivalry, I guess. Yeah, e e even though the A's came up short, <laughs> I, I think for someone like yourself who last year you were here, whether it was a home game or a road game, it was just a big empty stadium with 
cardboard cutouts. You didn't even get to see the cardboard cutouts because you were looking at the back of the cardboard <laughs> cutouts. Uh, just for you yeah. as a broadcaster to have the energy and all the people back in the park, yeah. what did that mean to it you? It was super fun. I mean, it really was. It was disappointing, you know, the outcome, obviously. But, boy, there's a lot of energy. And, and you know, you have, you have a decent amount of Giants fans and then the A's fans. So it's this mixed energy that just it's, it's pretty intense. And so, yeah, I mean, it's fun. You know, it, it, and what happens then, you know, it's disappointing when tonight you're going to see a small crowd, unfortunately, and then you're going to miss what happened on the weekend. And I was talking to my brother today, and we were talking about the series, and he said, you know, he said, you know what I missed most? He said, because they did the game from the studio, right? He said, I really wished I could have been at the Coliseum. Because he said, when you're sitting in the studio, you don't feel the energy or the excitement that you have at the ballpark. And he said, that's the thing I, I, I was kind of bummed about is that we were not able to be at the Coliseum just to feel the energy in all three games. So I said, well, I felt it, and it was, it was good up until the ninth inning. And then <laughs> 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 well, you know, kudos to you because, you know, watching you every single night, I, I, don't, I don't get the sense, and, you know, I'm, I'm keeping score. I'm keeping track of every pitch. I'm into everything. I don't go, oh, I can tell they're in the studio. So that's kudos mm -hmm. to you guys and, and the professionalism that you guys have had the last couple of years. But just kind of take us through, like, what your brother was dealing with. What is it like over there in San Francisco in the studio? You just got monitors in yeah, front of you. Yeah, and it's – listen, it's – I think we have made the best of it. It's not great. Um, it's not – it's not easy to do a game, but we're sort of used to it now. Um, but we're basically, we sit in a room, a desk, basically like this, like we're standing at right now, either Dallas and I or Ray and I, and there's a big monitor in front of us, and then there's two smaller monitors on each side of them. So we have what we call the program monitor, which is what we're really calling the game off of, and then on each side of that monitor, the big monitor, there's two smaller monitors that have an all-nine camera is what we call it, and that shoots the whole field from up in the press box. So you get to see all the, you know, where the defenders are and where the runners are going and, you know, and that's it, you know. So you sort of adapt to that, but what you don't have is you don't have that enthusiasm. You don't have the excitement. You hear the crowd, but, you know, so you sort of feel like you have to make your own enthusiasm and make your own energy. And that's really hard to do when you're sitting in a, in just a little room, you know, a 20 by 20 room, you know, so. But hopefully next year we'll be back traveling. I don't know that for sure. I hope so. But we've just tried to make the best of it this year. And if, if we hope that it sounds okay to the to the viewers. Sounds it's, great. It's very important to us, and, and we're trying. And, you know, there's, there's mistakes occasionally, and there's some technical things that make it difficult to do. But, um, you know, we, we, we think that we've done a pretty good job of just here's the game. Hope you enjoy it. We're doing it from the studio, but that's all right. We'll we'll, we'll get it to you, and, and you know, then you can decide if it's, uh, you know, how the the telecast is. But we got a great crew. You know, the Delaire and the guys are terrific. So, hey, it is what it is. Have the screens ever gone blank? They have not gone blank. Occasionally, something funky will happen. And you just kind of just got to sit there and wait it out. I mean, there's you know there's not a lot you can do. It doesn't do any good to pan. I mean, you're live. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's the way it is. So we've had a few funny things happen, but um, 
Not, not too bad. Not too bad. It's a pretty good setup over at NBC. The people in the office have done a great job. Um, and it's new to them, too. You know, we sort of, you know, when, when we go in there to do a game, you know, there's a A's pregame show going on. There's a Giants pregame show going on. There's a Giants game going on from the ballpark, but all their people are there. And then our game comes on. So there's a lot. You know, it, it's a busy place and a lot of, a lot of production going on. But well, yeah, you had NBA at one point. Now, yeah, you, now absolutely. you're going to have hockey starting Absolutely, up. yeah. In, in April, it was super busy, even into, into May a little bit. Yeah, there was a lot going on there. But um, now it's just baseball. But, yeah, it's it's been fine. It's been fine. I, I don't know that I want to do it again next year, but if that's what they tell me to do, then that's what we'll do. Well, i got to think, you know, all these years you've been doing these games that when you're at the game, you pretty much know when a guy gets it, yeah. it's out of here. Have you mastered yet being on TV, being in the studio, guy hits it, you know or not, it's got a um, shot? That's a good question, Tony. No, I would say no. What what, what I do, I don't know what other guys do, but you just have to wait a little longer. Um, when you're here at the ballpark, you usually see the swing, and then you usually look at the outfielder, right? Is he running back hard, fast? Well, that means it's probably gone. Is he drifting back? That means it may not be gone. But when you're doing it off a monitor, you see the ball, but you don't see the outfielder. Unless you want to look at the all nine camera, then you can see it, but it's smaller, right? It's, it's, you know, it's tighter. So, no, I have not mastered it. The only thing I do now is just wait. Just got to wait maybe an extra second or two. That's, that's really the only thing you can do. You know, or so. if the guy hits it and he pimps it, then you know. <laughs> yeah, one, once in a while. But, you know, I've been caught, too, where where somebody does do that, and it's like, oh, that one, yeah. Okay, maybe not. But what can you do, you know? You know what, I, I, I got the, this is what I always say, Tony. It covers me. Must have got it off the end of the bat a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. D- didn't get yeah. it on the barrel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, these. You got to have a cover, man. You got to have a cover. This this series right here, obviously Seattle comes in playing good baseball. Yeah. They're chasing the A's. Yankees have won what nine in a row, taking on the Braves have won nine in a row. They're gonna come in hot. Yep. How big I said it yesterday on the postgame show. Let let's just like a, a checkpoint, see where the A's are after Sunday. How big are these next two series? Well, yeah, I mean, you know the the, the Mariners, you look at them statistically and there's nothing that jumps out. There's really not, um, but they 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 have some grind in them, and hey, they're only three back. And these two teams, the A's and the Mariners, still play nine times this year. So there's there's an opportunity there for them that they know. So you got a day game tomorrow, and then you got a day off after 15 straight. So yeah, this is big. Get to the day off, regroup a little bit, and and then the Yankee thing's going to be great. I mean, it's going to be super exciting, and. You better be ready to go because those big boys will come in swinging the shillelagh, as they like to say. Yeah, they're not a uh, they're not afraid to take No, backs. no, they will not be laying down any sacrifice buttons. <laughs> and they're not worried about the marine lair either. No, no. But you know what? It's fun. I mean, I, I, I like when the A's play good teams. It's, it's just more entertaining to me. I can't wait for, you know, the Yankees series because it's a hot team. And, and it, you, you really just like, hey, the A's need to be, they need to be playing well. But really, that's what you want this time of year, you know? It's something that's interesting, and you get, get a crowd in here. So so I've been looking forward to this whole homestand, and uh, 
But yeah, you you don't want you don't want to sleep on this little two game series. Let's end on this. If you had one wish for this A's team going forward, what would it be? Um, well, I I think I think the starting pitching needs to get straightened out a little bit and get back to six, seven innings from the starter. Because when that happens, everything falls into place a little bit. But now Bassett's out. You know, Manaya's been struggling. Um, you know, so you know, all of a sudden you're like, okay. We got enough here, you know, so uh, they're going to need a lot from Cole Irvin. They're going to need a lot from Frankie, and he was great yesterday. Um, you know, Caprillion, you know, these guys are going to have to step up, and instead of going five or six, they're going to need to go six or seven because um, the bullpen's been used a lot. But the bullpen's fine if you can go six, seven innings from the starter. So I think that's a major challenge for the A's, especially after you lose Bassett. But I think, it, I think that's, a, that's a big thing in the last five and a half weeks. Starter, yeah. Starters have to hold up like they have all year, but they have to hold up without their ace. So you're asking a lot, but it needs to happen. You know, I don't, I don't want to get too emotional here, but it's kind of been the double whammy for you. Uh, obviously, with your brother, uh, you and Ray, I think, what, it was like your 15th? Or 18th. 18th yeah. year? Yeah. God. Uh, it's been a tough year for you. These people are very close to you. You've yeah. known them for – you're in time. Obviously, you know your brother. You've known Ray's for for, for so long because yeah. your your brother played with Ray. Uh, just been a really tough year. Well, listen. Yes, it has. I don't want anybody feeling sorry for me. Um, but no, it's not fun. I mean, I think about it a lot. You know, I mean, my brother means a lot to me. He's sort of like a a second father. He's 13 years older than me, and I've always looked up to him a lot. Um, yeah, he's doing better. You know, I mean, I see him some which is good and he's starting to feel better so that's good he's got a little more chemo to go yet um so hopefully you know when the season's over and the chemo's done you know he gets a good report you know that's sort of what we're, we're praying for uh, you know and foss is just a you know i mean what can you say he's our guy um and i know he's back in arizona i haven't heard a lot from him because that's just the way he is he, he he's gonna fight this on his own and i understand and i'm fine with that um but I hope he's doing great. You know, I, I know it's a tough time right now. Um, but, yeah, it's been weird. It's it's It bums me out when I think about it, so I try not to think about it. But, you know, here's two Bay Area broadcasting icons, right? And now they're both sick. And I have a pretty strong relationship with both of them. Kind of stinks. But, you know, I... I you know, I, I have good thoughts about Dwayne. I think he's going to be okay, and, you know, we have our fingers crossed with Foss as well. Yeah, I remember when uh, Ray and I went out to Heritage Plaza. Absolutely. To do the yeah. interview at his plaque, and your yeah. brother's plaque right is there. They're right next to each other. Yeah, two years they were together, 76 and 77, and their lockers were very close to each other as well, so they, they have good stories. They have good stories, but... And you're throwing that guy, Dennis Eckersley. <laughs> you know, Eck was, in the, Eck was in the corner of the locker room, and Buddy Bell, and Rick Manning and they were all in that in that corner of the old Indians locker room and they could tell some stories man I tell you well thanks so much all for right. coming down we always appreciate it and we'll be watching tonight NBC Sports California all right, thanks and you know what I listened to you the last couple nights and I know the fans are frustrated and ticked off but it's all right five and a half weeks yet you got to forget that you got to forget that it was the it was the Giants that did it series is over move on because you got a really important six games coming up against the American League team. 37 games left. That's it. Go get them. Have a good call, my friend. See you, buddy.
Coming up next, the great Alex Jensen is in tonight. We'll talk to him right here on A's Cast Live. If you're looking for a new mattress, Nest Bedding has you covered. Sleep on the same mattress Hall of Famer Ricky Henderson sleeps on. Nest Bedding is a national brand with family-owned prices and service. You can shop at one of their barrier locations, and all stores are sanitized and safe. Or you can navigate their easy-to-use website, nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com. Green and Gold fans, use the coupon code Oakland, and you'll get 10% off your entire order. Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. This is Chris Townsend for my favorite golf course in the Bay Area, Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Tucked in the beautiful hills of San Jose, Cinnabar Hills offers the finest 27 holes of championship golf in Silicon Valley. Come see the amazing new renovated clubhouse and restaurant, plus patio dining with the most breathtaking views. Cinnabar Hills is far more than a golf course, one of the premier places in the Bay Area to host weddings and any type of events. There's no golf experience like Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Go to CinnabarHills.com. That's CinnabarHills.com. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, when you look at the tale of two teams, the Mariners have won 8 of 11, while the Athletics have dropped 6 of their last 8. And offense has not been good, Alex Jensen. They have only scored 23 runs over their last eight games, and their on-base percentage is 295. Yeah, that's those aren't great numbers. I, I don't want to pile on either, but I was looking at the runners in scoring position over the last week. Uh, earlier this morning, they're hitting 161 with runners in scoring position over the last week since last Sunday. I mean, but you know, I was I was listening to the the Bob the uh, Bob Melvin show yesterday with Ken Korak, and you know, he did make a good point that because guys are getting on base, you know, you hope that at least over the first few games of that Giants series, first couple games of that Giants series, it seems like uh, you hope that that you know that turn is right around the corner. You hope. <laughs> what? I like it. You gotta, hey. what, what can you? What else can you do? That, there, there's, a, you know what? That's the thing. With no waiver wire process, there is no other way to help yourself. Yep. This, it, this is what you are, and the problem is inside your clubhouse. I mean, Mark Canna's OPS. Oh, you know, we're talking about these last eight games. Mark Canna's OPS is 551. Matt Olson, your slugger, is 544. You know, you just can't rely on Starling and Jay Hay. And then just hope everybody else kind of shows up. And I don't know, were you on the air yesterday during our game? Yes. The lack of competitive at-bats late in the game was alarming. Yeah, and it's just unfortunate it's happening right now, obviously. You know, if we had an eight-game stretch like this in May, you know, no one would be ringing the alarm bells. It's just everything is magnified right now, especially with the Giants in town. You're trying to chase down the Astros. But for all those numbers you just listed off, Towney, I mean, if the season ended today, the A's would still be in the postseason. They're only three. It's it's doable. It's, they're only three and a half games. They're not. They wouldn't be. Are they a game and half game behind the Red Sox now? Red Sox won earlier. Okay. Well, either way, you're still three and a half games back of the Astros. I mean, if they flip things around, they're still in this thing. They could still win this division easily. Three yeah. and a half games in thirty whatever games. You know. I mean, it, maybe it'll take an at bat. Maybe it'll take an inning. Maybe it'll take a big clutch two out knock just to loosen everybody up. I mean, you know, you played too, right? I mean. When these guys know what's going on, obviously. I mean, you imagine how hard they're gripping the bat in the box right now? I mean, I'm sure they know all the numbers. You know, I don't know how much a team 
will actually look at the other team. But if they were to, the thing that we saw, especially late in innings, the San Francisco Giant hitters and the way they're mixing and matching and they're, they pinch it more than anybody. But here you got their guys have been sitting on the bench, seventh inning, eighth inning, ninth. They've been sitting there all game long, but all of a sudden when it becomes their time, all right, your butt sat there for three hours, but now you're that now it's your opportunity. Their hitters were coming up hunting. Yeah, they were coming up ready to get their pitch, and they were driving it. And then I'm looking at our guys hitting weak choppers, hitting it back to the pitcher, uh, grounding into fielder choices, and like, hey man, I mean, do you look at what these guys are doing? These guys are coming up to do damage, and that's what I liked about our conversation. And I've watched it with Starling Marte, and I've watched it with Josh Harrison. You know, Seth Brown yesterday took three straight pitches for strike three. Strike one, strike two, strike three. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. That's not happening with Starling Marte and Josh Harrison. Yeah. They get their pitch, they're swinging it. I need to see some aggressiveness because, you know what, if I'm going to sit there and watch you take X amount of pitches then to chop it back to the pitcher, I don't care how many pitches. You know, the whole, the whole money ball stuff about trying to get pitchers to throw a lot of pitches, starting pitchers aren't going to be out there for a long time. Teams want to get to their bullpen now. Yeah, and you know, on the Saturday game is a great example of that. You know, I, the A's had the chance to add on early in the game, right? Second and third with one out and couldn't do it. I think they were up 5-2 to two at the time. Uh, but, you know, again, I, I just think maybe one or two, cause, like I said, you think these guys don't know that they've been struggling offensively in, in situations like that? You know, I, hopefully one or two hits and things loosen up a little bit. You know, the Giants, they're playing loose, man. They're a game and a half ahead. They're the hunted. They, they are in position to make the playoffs. If they were in a wild card, you know, what are they? How many games ahead of the wild card are they? Like, they're in the playoffs, basically. Yeah. You know, so they're playing free and easy. These guys have a razor's edge of margin. So I think that has something to do with it, man. They know where they are. You know, so they're gripping the bat a little bit tighter. So you hope that, you know, maybe one or two hits, you get a breakthrough, and then things start to loosen up a little bit. I love the energy the new guys have brought. I mean, I don't get a chance to watch these guys every day. It just seems like every time Starling Marte's on base, it's a double. You know, you walk him, it's a double. Jay Hayes, you know, high-stepping into second base, high step. I love that. Um, so hopefully, you know, things begin to loosen up a little bit because, you know, you are you telling me that, you know, yesterday, if you're in this dugout, maybe the day before isn't playing back in your mind a little bit, one-run game, late? Just a couple games, I, I, you know, I think just a couple of those big hits and, and things can turn Things can turn in a hurry, man. Where were the Yankees two weeks ago? Yeah, I mean, think about the Yankees before the Field of Dreams game. Yeah. You know, and they ended up losing that Field of Dreams game. was what You know, it was a tough loss. Tim Anderson walk off, but then they got red hot. Well, that's the thing about the American League. It's been streaky. Yep. The A's have been streaky hot. They've been streaky bad. Are we going to see another streaky hot out of them? you got 37 games left. Hope so. You certainly hope so. And, again, it's not like they're, you know, five games out of a playoff spot. They're right there. This thing is within reach for them. So one hot streak, you know, and like you said, they've every team has been streaky. But, you know, and I was listening to talk to, talk to Glenn. Just taking all in while three pros sat here doing it. Right away, by the way, sitting right over here. Did you here. sit you, back and go, the commander and Glenn this is Kiper, the big leagues. This is the big leagues. This is so, the yeah, big leagues. Yeah, I took a picture on my phone just to remember it. But uh, you know, set it to your back, background it, of your it's phone. It's my new wallpaper. Yeah, it's just a reminder every time I wake forget up. Forget your girlfriend. Forget your dog. This is where I want to go. The this, big leagues. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, I mean, by Sunday we're going to know a lot where the A's are headed at the end of this season.
with the Mariners for two, who, like you said, they've been playing better. Of course, the Yankees have been on fire. But after this Sunday, if the A's go, was it next six games? If they go four and two, you know. I mean, now you're now we're having a different conversation all of a sudden. The good thing is, is that after Chris Bassett went down, the starting pitching has been pretty good. You know, I mean, Frankie Montas was awesome the other night. And I would have liked Frankie to go another inning yesterday. <laughs> I've heard you. Me. I've heard you talk about that. Yeah. So Alex Jensen is the voice of the St. Mary Gales basketball team, and also the Stockton Ports are low A teams. So weird to say that. So used to being Stockton in that league, being the high A league. So tell us how are low A Stockton Ports doing? Struggling a little bit right now. Just got swept by the Modesto Nuts, who are the, uh, well, they're the low-A affiliate of the Seattle Mariners. Um, came off a tough road trip, went 2-10 and ten through Fresno and Modesto. It's the dog days for everybody right now, you know. I mean, especially being in low-A and with the amount of pitching injuries, the kind of the, the chain reaction that's been sent off by some injuries in the upper levels. Ports have lost a lot of pitching. Tyler Soderstrom's on the shelf. Uh, so they're getting through Was that through back? It. Back, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he's back in Arizona. And I, I saw... Uh, Melissa Lockard's column earlier today in the Athletic saying they they think it's a small setback. So maybe he'll be back before long. I mean, he was hitting on the field on, let's see, last Saturday in Fresno. So and then they decided they had to send him back to. But, you know, Lawrence Butler's put himself on the map, man. I know that's a name that's been thrown around here a lot. I recorded an interview for him to with him to play on the pregame show here. Other names, guys, people might know. Brian Buelvis, Robert Poisson, Junior Perez. How is Poisson doing? You know, he can play short, man. He's 18. It's that's that's the thing. When you look at his numbers, the important thing to remember is that, you know, he if he grew up here, he would be either in the in Arizona right now or he would be at college or maybe even a senior in high school. So that those are the type of so he's going up against Modesto first series facing a guy that went to Cal Poly, a guy that went to um, you know, a couple other major school major school guys, like SEC guys. He's 18. He's barely played in games. He could so be in high school. It's, he could. <laughs> he could. It's true. Uh, so, you know, I think that's the – but he can run. He can play short. And we've seen some power this year as well where his natural side is right. Seen him – I think, Cody, were you there in San Jose when he went just to the left of the batter's eyes, a left-handed hitter? I mean, the, he shows flashes where, you know, you can see you can see it there. He can play short, like I said, for sure. He does so, some things you can't teach. Like, at 18, it's so hard to project – but a guy like that, you know, this was my whole thing about Franklin Barreto, yep. is that everybody always kept trying to tell me, and, you know, my whole thing, you're a suspect until you, you make it. I don't want top 20 prospect. It doesn't matter anything to me. And we already know this franchise is usually – we're trying to win, so we trade these guys anyway. But Franklin Barreto, everybody kept trying to say, well, look how young he is. It's like, well – Yes, but that's not true. He's been a pro. He's been making money since, what, he was 16 years old? He's yeah. been in pro ball for so long that, you know, so a guy like Poisson, yeah, he's 18, but he's been collecting a check. He's been around professional baseball, obviously missed last year, which sucks. But at some point, these guys are guys you're going to want to see in the big leagues earlier than a kid if you just draft him out of high school. Oh, no doubt. And I think everybody goes through the – you know, the development at a different rate. You know, I mean, for him, I think they knew that he would struggle this season. I would imagine, right, being an 18-year-old in low-A baseball and facing guys that were just drafted. I mean, the guy who he plays next to right now on the left side of the infield, Zach Geloff, who the A's drafted in the second round, he was playing in the College World Series a month ago, a month and a half ago, whatever it was. So you got one guy who's 18 who's playing in games, really, for the first time this season, and another guy next to him who's playing, who played in the College World Series, the very tippy-top of college baseball. 
right? The pinnacle. So that's just, I mean, that's just an example for kind of the range of experience that you get in a league like low A, like the low A West, where guys are just going to develop at their own time. And I think, again, I think they knew they were aggressive pushing him to low A West or to, to low A this season. I think he held, he's, he's held his own. Let me ask you this, and you don't have to give away too many secrets. Are you traveling? Yeah. How do they handle him from a standpoint of, you know, he's not 21. I don't know what's open when you guys are, 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 are traveling and how restaurants are, but how do you handle a kid that really is a kid? Well, let me – so I, I'm not traveling with the team. I, I can. I just – logistically, it hasn't worked out. So I've driven myself. So okay. I've not been on the team bus. But on the field, man, I, I think they, they kind of treat everyone the same. I mean, obviously, you've got your specific plan for each guy, his development. And they kind of follow that roadmap. But I can't – unfortunately, because of the restrictions to start the season this year, the, in terms of me being on the field and me being on the bus, you know, I wasn't able to be there. So I really can't speak to the everyday life type of deal. Because you know and we all know how we were at 18. Oh, yeah. And this guy's – I mean, a lot of, guy, and a lot of guys in, in low A are in a new country. You know, some guys, their English isn't so good. It's, we talked about this last time I was on A's Cast Live, right? I mean, there's just – there's so many variables that go into just life in general, and now you have to produce on the field, and just all this stuff comes into play. Yeah, I make I you know, if you do make it, boy, it'll make you such a stronger person. Because as you said, I got to come to a different country. Yep. I got to learn a different language. Uh, this different country, culture. This country is far different from the country that I came from. Yeah. And to succeed through all those variables. I mean, and then well, still that, produce. And yeah, and still be good, yeah. and to someday get to the big league level, we'll show you what the character of a person. Oh, totally. And, you know, just put, like, if you were to tell me when I was 18 that I had to do, there's no way I would have been ready. So I, I really tip my hat to these guys. I mean, Brian Buelvis is another guy who's 19 years old out of Columbia. You know, Junior Perez, less than 20, or, you know, younger than 20 years old, too. There's a lot of these guys in the league that are under 20 that are all doing this stuff for the first first time, really, on a day-to-day basis, you know, outside of rookie ball, because when you're inside, when you're in Arizona, to my understanding, anyway, it's more of a controlled environment. This is like, you know, this is big boy baseball. Once you get to an affiliate, now you're on the road with a club. You know, you're going through a season. You don't have every fourth day off. It's you know, so it's just it's it's a totally different animal, from my understanding, anyway. All right, before we play buying or selling. Do I get to be around for that? We're gonna have, we're gonna have you be a part of buying or selling. Let's go. Um, St. Mary's. When do we start, and what do we project it at? <laughs> it's a good question. So the Gales this year, they had a lot of injuries last season. It's tough to to take anything away from um, you know what happened last season, a especially season. with St. Mary's. A shortened season. You know, not every team played the same amount of games. Like some teams played twelve, some teams played twenty-seven. Uh, so they actually just signed. Uh, Sarunas Marchalonis' son from, from Lithuania. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he will be <laughs> a guard at St. Mary's this season. Uh, Talk about so, feeling old. But they had some injuries at the same position, two of their best shooters. Got, I mean, they really had to ugly it up last year. So it's kind of hard to say where they'll be this year because we didn't really get to see the whole product uh, for, the, for the entire season last year. But Lunardi right now, I know how much you love bracketology in the middle yes. of summer. Yeah, I think Lunardi had him as a as a 9 or a 10 seed, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, we're better than that. Yeah, no no doubt. By the way. Unfortunately, uh, we don't have your Spartans this year. Do you know what happens this Saturday night? 
Is college football starting? It's the home opener for the best team in the Bay Area. That San Jose State? Yeah. Who are they playing? Southern Utah is up. It's a body bag I, game. I, I don't know. You're the alumni. I don't body know. Bag game. I, I just know I'll be there after the Yankee game. And, and, and you know the great thing about this show is I got all these Stanford Cal honks that come on, and none of them, they have to admit, I – Who's the best program right now in the Bay Area? That's not true. Roxy said Cal. No, Roxy was like, I, uh, but I have to say Cal. <laughs> and he knows the best program in the Bay Area in college football is San Jose State. We're building a bully. Proud of you guys, man. This is uh, the benefit for me, by the way. I'm not going to a football school. I don't have to. I can just sit back and listen to this conversation with you guys, uh, you know, Roxy at Cal and, and you at San Jose State. I will tell you, though, in hoops, Who's the best program in the Bay Area? It's not San Jose State. It's not San Jose State. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's for sure. We're a football school. How often do I have to tell you guys that? Are you ready for buying or selling? It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. All right, well, I'll make these uh, simple since we have uh, – who was the last time we had a guest? It was at, I think the last time we used this was when we did it with Ray Fossey. Ray Foss needs to be part of this. God, I miss Ray. All right, so uh, for the third time this year, the Toronto Blue Jays, who are uh, four and a half games back in the wild card, lost George Springer to the injured list. This time it's a grade one knee sprain for the Jays center fielder. He's already missed 66 games uh, due to a left oblique strain. That was back in March through April. And uh, and, and a right quad strain, which he missed in May through June. This past offseason, he signed a six-year, $150 million deal with the Jays. When he has played... He's hit 16 home runs in 49 games. In the meantime, Randall Gritchick, who has 21 home runs already this year, will take over in center field for the Blue Jays, who I said are four and a half games back in the wild card and 11 and a half back in the AL East. Buying or selling, the Blue Jays will get the most out of George Springer over that contract. I'm going to sell. It's a bad look when you eat at his age. We're not talking about a 23-year-old or a 26-year-old. Was he 31? 31, yeah. So you're asking if they're going to get max value? Yeah. I'm going to sell. I'm also selling. I think you can make an argument that even if he were to play every game from here on out in the life of his contract, they don't get max value as it is. Right? Because he's missed 66 games this year. Yeah. In the last two or three years, he's been really injury prone. Yep. And he's had a lot of injuries. And as you mentioned, Townie, 31. I agree. I'm selling. Uh, buying or selling, Houston dodged the bullet. Buying. Well, considering I sold the last one, I'll buy that. I mean, think about that. What was, what was the contract again? Six years and how much? 150. I mean, that really – that can really handicap, you know, your budget, right? Totally. I mean, now you can go younger. You can go pitching. There's a lot of different things you can do. Yep. Uh, whether you want to retain Correa or not, I think I think the Astros dodge a bullet, and they just they're probably like, "Whoo! Thank God he's gone." He's so electric when he's on the field, though. But he's thir- he's, he's, he's just agree. getting older. I agree. I just gave my stance, but when he's out there, man, he is he's exciting. Oh, sorry. I just looked at the scoreboard. That's a wow. What a what a series. Pirates, Diamondbacks. I'm really tuning in for that one. Okay, no sorry. one cares. All right. So uh, the 2021 season has been kind to the Baltimore Orioles, the cellar dwellers in the AL East. They have uh, 38 wins. How many games oh. back in the uh, AL AL East do you think they are? 30, oh, 42. No, they're 38 games back, and they have 38 wins on the year. Uh, they just got swept by the Atlanta Braves. They are on a 18-game winning, 18-game losing streak. If you Still? guys haven't, yes, yes, if you haven't noticed. Oh God. The, the modern-day record is 21, set by the wait for it, 1988 Baltimore Orioles. I wasn't even born yet. Who started the year 0 in 21? 
That is the longest losing streak in baseball. Their oh, their 18-game losing streak. It's the longest losing streak in baseball since the Royals lost 19 straight in 2005. The 3-1 loss on Sunday to the Braves is only the third time during the streak the Orioles lost by three runs or fewer during the streak. Uh, during the losing streak, their team ERA, I went back and looked, I did the math, is 8.18. 8.18 team ERA in 18 games that they've lost in a row. On average, they're losing games somewhere around five and a half runs per game. In 2018, they won 47 games. In 2019, they won 54. But last year, they won 25 and 35. Their top pick in the 2019 draft, Adley Rushman, the number one, the number one prospect in baseball, he's only in AAA. The number one pick in the draft last year, Spencer Torkelson, is already in AAA. So who knows when the Orioles are going to promote their top prospect? Buying or selling? Land the plane, for God's sakes. Jeez. Buying or selling the Baltimore Orioles in 2021 will be known as the worst baseball team of all time. No, I'm selling that. There's so many bad teams. If you go back, I, I don't know the actual numbers, but and the only reason why I know this is because when they were doing the, you're going to change the name from the Indians to what? And I remember listening to Buster Olney's podcast. Yeah. The, the, the Cleveland Spiders in 19 or 18, whatever it was, they had some – there's been some horrific teams back in the day. I am selling. Yeah, they I'm, were bad. I'm also selling, and they're going to win this week. They're going to win one of their next three games. I, I mean, I can't go as far because their run differential. Have you heard their run differential is like, like minus, minus 102 yeah. during this 18-game losing they, streak? They're losing like five, five and a half runs per game. So considering that stat, I won't say that they will win a series this week, but they will snap that losing streak before they get to 21. By the way, Royals and Astros from Minute Maid are underway. Scoreless in the top of the first. We are Royal fans for the next couple of days. And we're rooting for the Braves as well. Yes, go Bravos. Because the Red Sox won on a walk-off grand slam in the 11th, bottom of the 11th inning against the Rangers. That's how the game ended. So, Are you done? That's all I got. Yeah, we're out of time. That's all you got? Yeah. By the way, the worst modern-day team I've seen, the 2003 Detroit Tigers won 43 and 119. I was just thinking That's about That's when, like, Bonderman lost, like, yeah. 20 games. Yeah, Mike, Maroth, yeah. Mike Maroth went, like, 9-21. and 21. Oh, 9-21. Yeah, <laughs> Tigers had a tough stretch there. I, I was just thinking about this when we were doing the George Springer thing real quick, by the way. How good is whatever team – maybe it's the A's. I don't know. But whatever team gets Starling Marte next year, whatever deal he signs. You know, I mean, he's 32. How many years do we expect that he's going to get? How good is that deal going to look in comparison to George Springer? Hold those two up again. I'll be interested to see that. I, I'm on record to say, uh, saying I'm going to get a Starling Marte jersey. I heard you. Even though he's leaving, when I'm wearing it, everybody will go, that guy was a bad dude for us. <laughs> right? Yeah. He was the best two months I've had. You know, it's like the it's like the quickest little romance he ever had. It's like you wish it would have been longer, but, boy, that two months was great. Uh, it's like Jermaine Dye. Well, the A's yeah. were able to keep Jermaine. I heard you guys interview with Jermaine Dye a few weeks ago. Yeah. Or he, a couple weeks ago. He's living the dream down in Del Mar. Oh, I'm sure he is. Yeah, playing a lot of golf. Ugh. All righty, we will uh, be hearing from you. Yes, uh, today. What do you got going in the uh, in your hit today? In the pre-game? I have the MLB wraparound. Okay, yeah. all right. So MLB I'll be back in how long? 15 minutes. In 15 minutes, I will be back with A's Total Access. We want to thank Scott Emerson, Josh Harrison, Clint Kuyper, Alex Jensen, uh, Commander Cody. Who are we playing now? Uh, We're going to hear Bob Melvin. The great Bob Melvin, and I'll see you in 15.
If you're looking for a new mattress, Nest Bedding has you covered. Sleep on the same mattress Hall of Famer Ricky Henderson sleeps on. Nest Bedding is a national brand with family-owned prices and service. You can shop at one of their burial locations and all stores are sanitized and safe. Or you can navigate their easy-to-use website, nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com. Green and Gold fans, use the coupon code Oakland and you'll get 10% off your entire order. Nest Bedding, love where you sleep. This is Chris Townsend for my favorite golf course in the Bay Area, Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Tucked in the beautiful hills of San Jose, Cinnabar Hills offers the finest 27 holes of championship golf in Silicon Valley. Come see the amazing new renovated clubhouse and restaurant, plus patio dining with the most breathtaking views. Cinnabar Hills is far more than a golf course. One of the premier places in the Bay Area to host weddings and any type of events. There's no golf experience like Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Go to CinnabarHills.com. That's CinnabarHills.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.